this is Joe. TJ. And we are the Schoolhouse 302. And this is our 302 Thoughts, which is a part of our One Thing series. TJ, I am amped. I'm amped because today we're talking about becoming a better school leader with these two mental shifts. And, you know, I don't want to really assume people know what we mean about mental shifts. So if you wouldn't mind, can you just dive into that a little bit so our listeners know exactly what we're referring to when we say mental shifts for school leaders? Yeah, Joe, and you, we don't need to overcomplicate this. A mental shift is really simple. It's when we change our mind about something. Uh, more practically, though, it's when we use a process to do that. Um, as we, as you know, when we wrote seven mind shifts, we actually created seven ways in which leaders can change their mind and models for doing that. So I always like to use the example of SWOT, which we did in our blog. Lots of times when you use a SWOT analysis, things emerge when you do that with a team or when you do that on your own that wouldn't have otherwise emerged or your thinking that changes your mind. Maybe it changes your approach. Maybe it changes a strategy or a tactic that you're going to use. And that's what we need in education, especially for perennial problems. We cannot keep tackling problems the same way that we've tried to solve them in the past. We need new solutions. Those are only going to emerge with mental shifts, mind shifts, we call them. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And this month, our first mental shift, mind shift that we write about is moving from fear to courage. And I think this is so important because, you know, we want to think about cognitive dissonance. It's so hard to think about the idea that, all right, well, now I'm going to be courageous. That's not what we're saying at all. And I don't want to make it seem so easy that suddenly you're going to say, you know, what? I'm putting on a cape of courage. And because I'm wearing this cape of courage now, there's no way I'm going to fret with fear. And that is not the case. What we're saying is that, you know, what Jim Collins wrote about in Good to Great, which is the Stockdale paradox, that is akin to just confronting the brutal facts. It's being totally aware of what you're up against and willing to persevere, willing to move forward. And that's the shift. It's not that suddenly you don't feel that emotion. And there, let's be clear here. There's nothing wrong with feeling that emotion. I think that's an issue. You know, sometimes, TJ, people make it seem like, well, if you're afraid, then you're less than. Leaders don't feel fear. That's so untrue. You know, whenever we're embarking on something new, that's going to happen. However, the awareness, embracing the brutal facts really should be empowering because then you have to have a level of faith that you can accomplish it. I like that you brought up brutal facts. I'm going to name drop here a little bit, but like facing the reality of a scenario is in fact a trust creating behavior. One of Stephen Covey's 13 high trust behaviors, confronting reality. You know, I'm always going to drop the Stephen Covey high trust behaviors. <laughs> I think every leader should memorize those. But I also like what Tim Ferriss says about fear, which is that we need to fear less, but that doesn't mean that we're fearless. And so you're not going to approach every situation without fear, but we want to get to a point where we have enough courage to overcome that fear and take action. We have to have a bias for action. 
And that means doing something that might not work. Here's the thing about doing something that might not work. We know that if we keep doing what we've been doing, it doesn't work. So I'd rather, much, I'd rather see leaders take a risk and try something new that might not work versus approaching things the same old way we have and expecting different results. We talk, we've talked about this before. We use anything from third grade reading scores to eighth grade mathematics scores to SAT outcomes to attendance data. If we do something this year the same way we did it last, shame on us. Shame on us. It's not going to change. And I'll tell you, Tito, you're 100% right. And one thing that I want to reinforce here is you should not go to this alone. Like we talk about courage and fear within silos, like you're alone. That's a mistake. So if you're dealing with something and it is a tough situation, bring it to your team. You have to trust your team as a school leader, regardless of your position. And this is what people sometimes just overlook or maybe misunderstand or don't quite utilize you know, the best, which is collective efficacy. It's a belief that your team can figure it out. It doesn't mean you have the answer right away. It just means that you will figure it out. We can't in schools promote self-efficacy and not collective efficacy. So if you're going to move from fear to courage, my big takeaway, what I need our listeners, the one thing, the one thing is awareness. Be aware. Be aware of the brutal facts. Be aware of what you're afraid of and be aware of how you can approach it courageously. Awareness is the key. I want to bring up a term too, just to hit that home. Something we've been talking about in my district, something that we've been talking about with leaders around the country is a concept of data consciousness. We always talk about data decision-making, I'm not sure that that's a, a good way of going about just looking at data and making a decision. I think there's a, a better awareness strategy, Joe, is to be very aware of the data, be very conscious of the data, know what the data say, and that's where we can bring it to the team and start making those decisions. It, it is a nice segue, though, if you don't mind, into the one thing that I wanted to bring up that I took away from this month, from the research that we do from the interviews that we've conducted, always on these topics that we select for the month, we just take this deep dive for our listeners. Um, and that is that we need to have a shift from short-term thinking to long-term thinking. Now, COVID stunted this, and hopefully not for eternity, but we were thinking about what we were going to do tomorrow, and that's got to stop. We can shift that back to more of a long-range planning, but it has to be very intentional and every leader has to take action in terms of making sure that those long-term plans are significant. Now, here's the trap. The trap is that urgent can overcome important. And we need to ask ourselves two questions. You know the two questions that I always like to tell leaders to ask themselves when anything urgent comes up, which is, does this need to take, get taken care of now? And does this need to be taken care of by me? If you're a school principal and many assistant principals, the answer to those two questions is often no to both of them, meaning this doesn't need to happen right this second. I'm on my way to a classroom. And if it does need to happen right this second, 
It doesn't need to happen by me. And even if it doesn't need to happen right this second and it needs to happen later, it can still be done by someone other than me. And we get caught up in urgent work versus important work. It, it hijacks our day and we need that long-term thinking and it's a mental shift and it takes a proactive approach. And TJ, you're spot on. You know, COVID really allowed us to be dysfunctional in many ways. Because it was urgent, things were flying at us so fast, we couldn't duck quick enough. And it was just hitting us all over. And many of us still are bruised from what happened. That said, I want to go back to fear and dealing with the urgent and your two questions. Very often, we'll jump in the fire because we don't trust our team to handle it well. And we need to let them deal with it. And if you build a structure and system in place, then you have a way to regroup with your team to see how it planned out. But so often we feel better, literally feel better emotionally if we're in the mix because we can't be patient enough to be told how it worked out. Great leaders let generals do the work that they are hired to do. Do not micromanage. Don't over intervene. Plan and let people do what you want them to do and let them surprise you for Pete's sake. They'll do wonderful things. It's true. It's a difference between feeling better at work and being better at work. You know, we should uh, link to the five bad boss behaviors so that people can see that that micromanagement and that lack of empowerment is a serious problem, and especially now with shortages. If we don't build the culture where people want to work, um, they're going to leave because they're going to have opportunities elsewhere. So two things with the short term to long term, I want to make sure we hit before the show's over, and that is pre-planning and time blocking. So what we know is, because we work with school leaders all the time, lots of school leaders, many school leaders, they drive into work without a plan. And that's because you can have a jam-packed day in any school in America with nothing on your calendar. Because when 1,700 kids or even 300 get off of the buses, there's things to do and there's places to support. That's not necessarily productive. Even if it's efficient, it might not be effective. And so the pre-planning part is, comes down to time blocking piece, which is making sure that there's blocks of time on our calendar to do the important work, regardless of what comes up, to make sure that the urgent stays at bay so that the important can get done. That's being in classrooms, the most important spaces in our schools. It's being in professional learning communities with teachers. It's making decisions about the budget. It's doing the parts of the job that matter most so that our schools can thrive. And that's right back to having the courage to make a decision to do something that was different than we've done before. Yeah, so well said about not necessarily having anything scheduled and still being busy. There is no doubt any educator listening right now respects that comment because when the kids roll off the bus, or sadly, sometimes even before, and that phone rings because something happened on the bus, you're dealing with it. And it's not something that we want to ignore 
But again, reinforce the fact that you have things on your calendar that reinforce the work that must be done. That's going to raise those third grade reading scores. That's going to effectively reduce discipline issues. Those are the things we have to do and spend time on, and you will see results. Because no matter what, you're going to be busy and you're going to have your days go on and just continue to move forward. We want you to be very calculated in how you spend your days. I think it's a great place to end the show there, Joe. Calculated with how you spend your days. We always try to give you the how with the what so that we're not just admiring the problems. It's why we wrote seven mind shifts for school leaders so that school leaders can find new ways to think about old problems. Um, and so we hope you'll visit us at the schoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts, books to read, and more. This has been our 302 Thoughts as part of our One Thing series. We always appreciate a like, a follow, and a share. We'll see you next time.